Hello, and welcome to the, the Champagne, Champagne Room, Room Secrets, Secrets Podcast. What the fuck? I don't know if this is shameful, but if you have a small dick, have a good personality. Filling the champagne. Your wife died here. Have a titty. Not a sex podcast, but it is stripper. You grind your clit on a guy's hard dick and come. But you've never made someone come in their pants, right? I'm Candy. I'm Jade. Your friendly neighborhood whores here to walk you through the ins and outs of the strip club and sex work industry. Uncensored. We have a guest today. We are so excited to welcome Vivian. Hi, I'm super excited to be here. Hello, hello. I listen to um, Champagne Rouge Secrets and I also listen to Other Words Before. Oh, oh nice. nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out. Yeah, we did. I don't think we've talked. I don't I don't remember but we did other words for horror like I don't know like a month ago Jade yeah we didn't I don't think we talked about it on the podcast no we, sh- we should have but we, if you if you guys follow us on any social medias you saw yeah it was fun I found champagne room secrets through that because I listened to that episode with Jade and I was like oh sweet okay I need to listen to all the rest of the episodes of your podcast oh, hell yeah oh my god Okay, that's awesome. We were just talking off mic, so we don't have to say where you work right now, but how long have you been working in that other city? So I have been in the industry for 13 years. I have worked all over the country from, I started in Vermont, actually, which is nowhere. Home of Bernie Sanders. Yeah, we love our burn. Feel the burn. Actually, (laughs) so like the funny thing about Vermont and that I don't really find in any other state is because we're such like a small state like the town I grew up in was 700 people like that's not like a really good year and so preschool through 12th grade it was like 100 students so you go to school with your senators and your representatives kids and like your congressman's kids and they come show up at parent night and like they're really really heavily integrated into the community in a way that I've never this Portland is my 17th city in the last 11 12 years Oh, wow. Um, that I've lived in. And so, and I haven't really seen that anywhere else. It's really nice. So we love Bernie. We love Bernie and we love his wife. Jane's oh, wonderful. you met Bernie? Yeah. I'm going to start crying. That's awesome. I know Patrick Leahy. I met um, Jim. Nope, that's gone forever now. My ADHD kicked in. <laughs> It's like when you close the drawer and the things disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, next. Yeah. So our first question for you was like, what was your first foray into sex work? I think I did sex work backwards. Most people, I think, start out as like strippers or like they make like solo content and maybe they go into mainstream porn or like, you know, like the other ways around it. I started right off as a call girl. I was trying to get out of a really abusive relationship. One of my friends was like, hey, I work for this massage place. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Not true. And (laughs) they'll pay for you to get your massage therapy license. Also not true. And of course I did my first client. I did not finish what I was supposed to do. And my boss called me rip shit pissed being like, do you want the job or not? And I was like, yes, obviously. And that kind of just started my whole career. About a month later, she looked at me and she goes, Vivian, you have a fucking attitude problem. Have you ever considered being a dominatrix? <laughs> and then she got me my first dominatrix booking and it was great. I also messed up on that one. It was hilarious. It was a golden shower for my first appointment and I had never domed anybody before. So the thought of peeing on somebody was a little much for me. I couldn't like, wow. I tried everything. I mean, because it's already really hard to make yourself pee in front of somebody. So when you're trying to be like that dominant character, your first time, like someone's like trusting you. Oh, my God. As a dominatrix, that instance in my life 
I had been through a lot of, you know, sexual abuse when I was younger. And I had, like, as I was saying, I was trying to leave an abusive relationship. That man was the first man I was ever allowed to say no to. And if he didn't comply, I was allowed to beat the snot out of him. Mm. And then he also paid me for it. And so it like opened up this whole world of like empowerment that, and I'm sure you guys understand, like as a 19 year old woman is not common for us to experience. And I know a lot of sex workers, I think we experience it faster than a lot of 19 year old women do because we're like put in such a position of like intense power. Yeah. So going back to your first boss gets you this booking. Is it at a dungeon or is it in the same massage parlor? So it wasn't in a massage parlor. It was call outs. So I would go to the people's or like their hotel room. Oh, okay. Mm, okay. And did you get like a manual? Did you just go online and kind of... I had Google. And so I started this back in 2010 and 2011, like four or five years before Backpages was taken down because of post assessor, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit longer than that. I'm not sure. So I started in 2010. It's like right after the 2008 fallout on the tail end of that, we're still in the recession and recovering for that. My rates at the time was $75 for a half an hour sensual body massage and 150 for two hours. Oh my God. (laughs) Which now as a person who's experienced, like not ever once. Right. Yeah. Ever. And and given they had to pay for my travel and I had one client and even though it was like the girlfriend experience for him for like an hour was like $200 and he would still pay me double that plus a tip and take really good care of me. So like my rates were really low, but luckily the clients that I had were like really very kind and generous. Thank God. Yeah. Was that like the going rate during that time? Like where you were? I had no idea. Because I didn't, I was 19 and working for this woman who like told me that she had it all taken care of and that she did all the screening and that she did all the advertising and stuff like that. And like, I didn't know how to do any of it. And Google back then, when it came to sex work, you could find forums specifically for this type of activity, but they were notoriously difficult to get into. And once you were into them, it was notoriously difficult to get people to trust you Mm. because it was so dangerous for them to hire you at the time. And for other sex workers in New England, there just wasn't many of us out at all. And so connecting with another worker would have been really, really hard for me at that time. So eventually I ended up leaving that company, getting into nude modeling, getting into soft core porn, taking on doming clients independently. I ended up at another full body central massage place in another state in the Midwest. Really great bourbon. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, I wonder. Clues. And getting stung, actually. Oh, shit. Which was serious shit. What happened? Wait, what does this mean, getting stung? You got, like, busted by the cops, yeah? So what happened is the night before I had been out drinking, I'd been out partying, like, all of these things. And at the time, the place where I worked was this small little building. There were probably like five of us on shift at any given time. There were like a few rooms with massage tables in them. And there was like a manager who took phone calls and made bookings and all of that stuff. And it ran exactly the same way as a spa. It was advertised entirely as a spa. Obviously, things were not necessarily like that, right? I was late for work that day. And I drove in and the parking lot was filled with cars, which was really unusual. You know, like I'm exhausted and hungover and I walk in and there are are police officers everywhere. And my boss was like, I'm sorry, I couldn't text you. They wouldn't let us use our phones. (gasps) She's like, I wish you just didn't show up for work today. So 
she ended up getting written up for soliciting prostitution, which the charges were dropped. They tried to charge me with prostitution, but I had literally just come into work. They had no evidence of me doing anything. They even had a search warrant for my car and went through my car and were like, do you have any weapons in there? Do you have any sex things in there? I'm like, well, you know, I was just at my boyfriend's house last night. No, I wasn't. And... (laughs) I have like a bunch of like kinky toys in there. Like I had handcuffs and a whip and right. like yeah, my yeah. and like a knife because I'm a sex worker and I always carry weapons. Right. And so they went through my car. Like it was it was a whole thing. They took pictures of all my tattoos. Oh my god! They took pictures of your tattoos. And just by putting the charges on me but dropping them, that meant that I am now in a national database as a potential prostitute. Mm even though no charges were ever pressed yeah it's been long enough that they can't press charges anymore but it's still like i think about it when i rent places or when like i have to deal with police officers because Uh, it's inevitable well so it'll come up like in a background check it doesn't but it's in the police database gotcha so like Mm -hmm. they know it's the similar like yeah with the brothels right with the brothels you have to go through a whole background check and you have to get like fingerprinted and sometimes it's once a year sometimes it's every three months and once you're in the database as a brothel worker fingerprinted every three months what are your fingerprints gonna change what's that's so dumb you're sanding them off i'm melting them off every two months just to fuck with Uh, yeah what the hell it's so expensive anyway but then once you're in the database in nevada as a brothel worker you know that pulls up when you're like pulled over Uh, right and it has nothing to do with why you'd be pulled over but i'm sure this cop is now going to treat you differently because he can look this information up about you right exactly yeah or like you're not like a danger to society just because of that work like especially in nevada where brothels are legal that's like so dumb well so that's actually not entirely true here's the thing about legalization in in nevada and why i fight so strongly for decriminalization it creates a two-tier system and legalization is actually a really loose term for what it really is Mm. so prostitution is only legal in nevada in counties that have 700,000 or less people and inside of a brothel which means las vegas it's not legal right and the closest one to las vegas is about an hour 40 minutes and most of them happen to be in the middle of nowhere that also means like even though it's legal to be a prostitute if you are a like single mom of three and you have ten dollars in your bank account and the electricity bill just came in and they're about to shut it off and rent is coming up and you decide to take to the streets if you get arrested you're fucked especially in nevada if it's on a weekday you might have a two-day processing period maybe three if it's on the weekend you're there the entire weekend sitting in a cell with all of the other women who got caught or other workers that got caught right that goes on your record and once you get charged with prostitution you cannot work legally for a minimum of a five-year cooldown, except for my county. So even if you do everything right the second time, you still have a cooldown of five years, which means that you don't really have an option to get it right because in five years, who knows where you're going to be or if you're even going to be alive at that point. Wait, so can you break this down? So the cooldown means if you're busted doing sex work like outside of the brothel, outside of the brothel, you cannot work at the brothel for for five years. So like you legally cannot work as a brothel employee at any brothel unless they're in Nye County and they make an exception for you for five years. There's only 20 brothels and there's only about 1,300 brothel workers in the entire United States, which means of all of the people practicing prostitution in the United States, only 1,300 of them are actually legally allowed to do so. And 
the only legal brothels in the U.S. are in Nevada, right? Correct. Do you know, because you're a dancer right now, right? Mm -hmm. What is this thing? Like, if you get caught for prostitution in Nevada, you can't get your workers permit to dance in Nevada? Is that right? So sometimes, yeah. Like, it can really affect you. Nevada is very, very strict about those things. If you are working as an independent stripper and you decide to go to, like, a person's hotel room and Vice is there and catches you, you won't be able to work as a stripper again in Vegas for a cool-down period and stuff like that. That's what I had heard. I was talking to a guy who worked the vice department in Vegas. We were talking about like, you know, how guys always ask you like, oh, how much for you to come back to my hotel, blah, 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 at, at the club, right? And that I would always give like a ridiculous number. I said like $50,000, like something crazy that like, no one's going to pay, but just so that they stop talking to me about it, kind of just like, well, you can't afford it. It's $20,000. It's ridiculous. It's not a serious offer. But the guy who used to work vice, he's like, no, no, you're giving an exact number. Like just for fucking around and saying $50,000, like they can get you on that. And then you can't dance for like five years. I was about to say, now you're a prostitute. That's the line. Right. In Portland, the line is exchange of bodily fluids. So like if you make out with someone, does that count? That's prostitution. Mm. Well, aren't there some states where just taking off your shoes in the VIP makes you a prostitute? <laughs> They can't enforce that. There's no way, right? Have you heard this? In some places in Las Vegas, technically, you have to keep both feet on the ground during a lap dance. And it's the difference between state and city clubs. Ah. Right. Jade, haven't we been told that before at a Nevada club? We had to keep one foot on the ground during the floor dances. I think that was just because they wanted to like keep the enforce the air dance situation very like strict. Oh, okay. That wasn't like a legal thing. No, I don't think it was a legal thing. I think it was just like, we don't want to see any like bumping and grinding, <laughs> you know, out on the floor. Like we keep that to the back rooms. I mean, obviously those are crazy. Like your shoes, like taking your shoes, like that makes you a prostitute. But I have heard that, that it's just like, it varies. Yeah. Like crazy. Whereas in like Rhode Island, for instance, you're allowed to practice however you want in your residency and they can't say anything about it. Mm, really? There's loopholes. You mean if you ran, if you saw clients like in your personal residency, they can't bust you for prostitution? Correct. Damn, let's move. No, <laughs> no but that sounds right because it's like, who's to say what's going on behind closed doors? Or like, who's to say that I went on this day, this guy bought me like a really nice fancy dinner and then I fucked him. Does that make me a prostitute? Like there was an exchange. I was listening to episode 25 and you guys said that you had a friend that was not a sex worker join What's Your Price? It was someone I found on TikTok. But you know what's funny? One of the other sex workers we've interviewed, Vix, she just texted me when the episode came out and she was like, wait, I've like gone on What's Your Price too? And I would meet people on there, go on dates and then like entice them to like come into the club. But that's like how she used it. So just fun fact. Oh, so it's been around a while. There's that one. And then there's, I think it's Misadventure, but it's like M-I-S-S. Oh. Adventure. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. That's cute. That's for like Fly Me To Yous and like all of that stuff and like international travel. Got it, got it. But What's Your Price? I've been on there for years. Honestly, it's a mixed bag. I get a lot of time wasting. The dissociation of people who get paid to go on an actual date versus the people who get paid for sex as escorts is really insane right like there's a mass dissociation the distancing right yeah. and like i think there's just this huge focus on like sex acts as like defining but it's like i mean we've talked about it like marriages are like the ultimate you know exchange
exchange of values. Like a lot of the times there's like the, what is it? One income earner where I've been on dates where like someone pays for things and then we have sex. And it's so weird because at least like my experience in paid dates, I'm getting into like more official kind of escorting and uh, it just sucks. And you know, this. this is not new information, but for the listeners, because you have to be super clear and like communicate, right? You're like, I'm doing these for this amount of money, but you also can't. <laughs> so you're like, X, Y, Z, these are like my personal boundaries. This is the money that I'm worth, blah, blah, blah. But also that's alleged and you're donating your money for my time. <laughs> like, Right. And after all that, we get into screening, which is like, ugh, so much. Laura Cohen on Twitter is phenomenal for screening. Totally recommend there is a wait list right now for it. What does that mean? what's what's lauren cohen laura cohen is a person who does screening for escorts oh so she's just a, like a contractor you can pay the screening that it goes through it's incredibly thorough i can't give much information about it because that would endanger all of us but it's incredibly thorough and i always recommend screening every single one of your clients because when i lived in vegas and i was working out at the brothels there was a stripper out there who like got kidnapped and dismembered by one of her regulars and dropped in the middle of the desert so like Whoa. it's really dangerous to do any in-person work but when you're going into full service and you're going into dates you have to be extra, extra, extra aware of the people that you're spending time with and extra careful. It's going to shrink your bag a little bit because you're going to have a little bit more protocol, but it's so much more worth that than some of the other situations that I've been in. And I've been in some really scary situations. I didn't screen for years doing what I do. And I'm very lucky that I'm alive. Oh, wow. I had a friend who was literally beaten to death and burned in her car for being a Black trans woman who's a sex worker. Oh, fuck. Because of the stigmatization of our industry and because because of the criminalization of our industry, while we don't necessarily receive more violence than anywhere else, we tend to be an industry where predators find themselves seeking out more victims because we are thought to not have people who care about us. We're thought to not have family. I'm out to my whole family. They all know I do this. My mom made me floggers when I got my first job at a brothel. Ah! Uh, my mom is a nude model and my grandmother's naked ass is hanging in the bed so they can't really say anything that's amazing yeah wow yeah. good for them i've definitely talked about this in the past but like there's this term that is used a lot in the true crime space that is called quote-unquote like the last dead and it's this idea that there are certain people in society that either are thought like you said their families don't care what happened to them they're transient whatever or but like more than anything in police investigations they're thought not to matter as much so you know there's the, the thing of like the perfect victim is usually like white young attractive woman who goes missing or something like everyone like gabby petito everyone's looking mm -hmm. for them right but then if there's this thing in your database or whatever when they pull you up as a missing person there's this oh prostitute then this oh well she could have run away she could have done something to herself there's just like less urgency and so that's kind of why like i don't know if all perpetrators are doing it so consciously like I probably like this idea that well if I go after these people versus someone in society who's like in the public eye or highly regarded they're just easier to you know kill off or whatever and like they are it is easier to get away with doing violence towards sex workers yeah you're so funny hilarious <laughs> oh my god that was such bad timing no I was gonna just quickly insert a story about myself because it's religious situation I mean we need to bring it back to you <laughs> bitch 
Listen, I get it. I love being the center of attention too. That's why I am a whore. <laughs> We're all attention whores and horse. <laughs> I, I know. I know. We really are. No, I was going to say as a newbie, I'm getting into doing like, I don't know, I guess some people were called like high end, like escorting, whatever. And so I have like a mentor in the space who would like set me up with screening sites again. Like, you know, we can't go into whatever. And I'm like I said, a few weeks in at this point and like the most promising application I've had. I was like, wow, this guy seems great. He's like, had a long-term companion before, but she like moved all this stuff. I did my screening and he had like a giant, like mine is like violence against like the person and this and that. And I was like, oh my God, like if I didn't have this resource, how would I have known? I mean, I wouldn't have known. Yeah. And who who would have known? In 2010, resources like that didn't exist. That's wild. You were at mercy to Google and I really mean at mercy. One of my first clients, again, when I was 19, like I like walk in and he's like on the ground, totally naked, legs spread out straight. And he looks at me and he goes, you want to do some cocaine? And I'm like, 19 year old me is like, uh, you know, I'm good. And he goes, and his whole legs are shaking. And like, he owned a very, very popular magazine. Oh my God. So like a lot of these rich dudes are really bored and they do a lot of crazy shit, but also the violence is real. So when you first started at this, I guess you were doing in-calls. Was the woman that you were working for, was she doing any screening or was she just kind of sending you out there? So I was doing out-calls. In-calls means they come to me. Oh, okay. Out-calls are when I go to them. She wasn't that I'm aware of. She told me that the setup was like, They paid like $200 a year to have this membership. They medically screened with us. They did a background check and we already had all the clients we needed so that it was closed and there was no way that would be possible for us to get caught. Um, I think eventually they did get stung. Unfortunately, when my ex found out that I was doing more than what I said I was, he actually choked me out and uh, tried to kill me. And the name of the company ended up getting brought up in court. And I think that they fell after that. Oh, oh my God. Going back to like, we are heavily targeted because we're easy to disappear. I think the most important thing to remember in that discussion is the majority of us that you see face is not the majority of us in the workforce. The majority of us are on the streets. The majority of us are working in hotel rooms. The the majority of us are not face out. We're not... We're not hitting up followers. We're not doing podcasts. We're very, very quiet because that's what we have to be. And that just drives it further. So you're 19, you're dominatrix, you're doing out calls. Mm -hmm. After that happens, like, would you say that like sex work allowed you to have enough money to sort of venture out on your own away from this relationship or how is like sex work fitting into your life at that point so at that point I was really scared that I was becoming a sex worker for a few reasons one you know my mom when I was younger it was kind of funny I remember being a teenager and her driving me home and being like hey mom how would you feel if I became a stripper to pay for college and her being like you know what honestly that's totally cool I've met a lot of strippers they are some of the smartest people I've ever met you should probably do that if you really want to pay for college because I can't pay for college wow I don't think I've ever heard someone say that like their parents like giving them the answer yo my mom we don't really talk for a lot of reasons but there are some points that she is extraordinarily cool and I can only hope that other sex workers out there have a mom that's half as cool as mine is when it comes to this kind of stuff because like even though it's scary for her and even though she doesn't know a lot And that's very nerve wracking. She'll still be like, how's work going? How's your day? 
Like, are people treating you right? Mm. Her biggest concern was like, you know, when people touch you, you exchange energy. And she's, I'm just worried that the people touching you don't care about you the way that you should be cared for. Wow. Those are big concerns. My dad, on the other hand, was like, I don't want to know anything about it. My stepmom was like, I have so many questions. I need to know. What's your wildest client? Oh my God. So then you start dancing and did you end up paying for college? Did you end up going through college and all that? Or? No, I actually became a beauty school dropout because I just couldn't, I'm like not good at college. And it's not that I'm not intelligent. It's just that I'm not like the thought of sitting there. I have ADHD and I'm autistic. And if it does not interest me, it's really, really hard for me to learn, even if it's something I know will benefit me. So the idea of sitting through a two hour math class makes me, I would rather swim in an Olympic pool filled with spiders. Thanks for the visual. <laughs> oh my God. I had a nightmare. I always have nightmares about one big spider chasing yeah, me. And I did last night. I'm also scared of spiders, <laughs> oh which is God. why I say things yeah. like that, because I don't fuck with yeah, it yeah, like yeah. a demon folk. And I'm afraid of literally nothing but spiders. It's so annoying. Anyways, wait, I have a quick question just going back. Okay, so you started like making money as a sex worker when you were 18, right? And then 19, yeah. 19. Okay. I do wonder because I kind of feel this way too. And I've heard this echoed a little bit that because you were able to make money, like we always say, it's not easy money, but it can be fast money that it's like, why would I like go to college and like even waste time doing that when I can already make like pretty good money. I've always made more money than every single one of my partners. And I've never been to college. Yeah. I have traveled all over Asia. I've been to every state except for four of them. I have gotten to see the world and do amazing things because I'm a sex worker. It has given me so much freedom and so much inspiration and so much creativity in ways that I don't think I would have ever gotten if I had followed a normal path. And honestly, I definitely think the influence of having that much money all of a sudden at 19 definitely affected whether or not I was going to go into a normal job afterwards because I've tried to go back into like vanilla land and do the whole working for $15 thing and I can't bring myself, I can't do it. Right. It's like you're, you're getting paid ideally, you know, hundred, couple hundred dollars an hour to pee on a guy. And then someone wants to give you like $15 an hour for like organizing papers and you're like, like, uh, excuse me? Like, no. Right. It's the same thing with dating, right? Like, I have people that pay me thousands of dollars to breathe my oxygen. Why the fuck would I date somebody who treats me like shit? Yes, I agree with all that and that sentiment. But it seems like, and I feel like I cut you off when you were talking about this, like when you were around that age, you said you were scared about being a sex worker. Right. Can you elaborate on that? So it's kind of wild when you're that young and getting into sex work. And especially back then, I think before the pandemic, People viewed sex workers very, very differently. People view them very differently now that the pandemic has happened. And all of those people who were like, sex works not work, tried to open an OnlyFans and realized how much work it is. They were like, oh, I'm going to be a sex work tourist and make all of this money and then not make any money at all and got a real good dose of reality. But way back in 2010, it was such a different atmosphere. I didn't have, like now, I worked for a company under a woman, like she owns a phone sex company that's been around for 50 years. And she's so incredibly kind. I am unlearning toxic workplace behavior working at this place. And it's incredible. And you know, our industry and toxic workplace place behavior, it can be nuts. Yeah. I mean, we always talk about the strip club, especially is like the wild, wild west. It's like we've like Jade, especially has had 
really creepy floor dudes like hit on her and all this stuff. It's like, what are you going to do? Report it to HR. They're going to look at you like you're fucking crazy and tell you to get back on the pole. Like they don't care. There, There is no HR <laughs> straight up. But then also like there weren't like mentors back then. Like that is brand new within the last like five to six years. There may have been mentors beforehand, but like real mentorship as it's known right now, like Saska the mentor and all of those people, those people never existed way back then. Yeah. That's all very, very new to the industry. And if they did, it was because you personally knew them or did the research to very specifically seek them out. And they were only generally in large places like LA and Las Vegas and New York City and Philadelphia. Like you weren't gonna find them in boondocks where I was. So like, I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. I didn't, I couldn't like, how are you gonna talk to your best friends about the people that, the fact that you fuck people for money when your best friends think that that's gross and you don't know any sex workers to talk to about the fact that you fuck people for money. That's so isolating. It's really isolating. There's so many full service workers that live in the middle of nowhere in all of these places that don't have other sex workers to reach out to and don't have that community around them. And it's really, really hard. And so when you're trying to unlearn whore phobia, but you don't have any whores to look up to, it's hard to look inside yourself and be like, is this really what I want? Because being a sex worker isn't something that you do just for fun occasionally. I mean, sure, sometimes it is. Sometimes people come into the industry and they make a whole bunch of money in six months and then leave and they're never affected again. Or they put themselves through college for five or six years and then they leave and they never deal with anything ever again, right? But then there's people who it's their whole career and it's their whole life. And those are the people who are face out. And so when I became a sex worker in a town of 700 people, I had to really consider what this was going to do to my life. It was going to affect where I rented. It was going to affect who I dated. It was going to affect how I was able to pay my bills, if I was going to be able to have a bank account or not. If my neighbors would come to my defense, if somebody was trying to rape and beat me, if I was even going to get evicted because I'm a sex worker, if I wanted to have kids later on and somebody found one of my ads on the internet and decided to call CBS on me, I had to consider all of that before really like taking the dive in and getting into it. I feel like stripping, it's easier to get in and out of stripping. Like if there's a, it's a little easier to transition out of. It is not easy to trans out of, we're out of full service. Once you get used to making 300, 400, 700, $5,000 an hour, there's no going back after that. Well, right. And you can kind of like, if you worked at a strip club, you could be like, oh, I was like a bottle service girl, right, right. like a hostess. And it's like what that you have like a company that you work for, but as an independent full service worker, it's like, what do you even, you can't even say anything like, you know, officially, whatever. If you decide to go back into the vanilla workforce later, how are you going to explain that gap? Yeah, that's a big point. Right. But then there's all, always, it gets to the point of that we were talking about earlier. Like one of those is legal work and the other one is not. You know what I mean? So just of that, like there's the whole criminalization aspect. Of course, there's extra stigma and all that. But then there's on top of that, there's that legal aspect. But like you said, like someone can call CPS on you and have some grounding by saying like, you know, we found this. Ad. There's just like a paper trail of you doing something that was like illegal. or something. Right. And you see it even in legal forms of sex work. You see it in porn companies. Like you see like People who are famous and porn get their kids taken away. Oh, really? There, I've known strippers who have had their kids taken away because the dad decided to get vindictive. There's so much stigma surrounding sex work, and it doesn't matter. Slinging pussy is slinging pussy, and there's no gold medal in the moral whore Olympics. So it doesn't matter 
if you're only dancing and you're not doing extras, you're just as incriminated as I am. I love that quote, by the way. Title of the episode. Title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's so good. And I, I really appreciate you really like naming all of the things you had to consider. First of all, that is such a young age. I have to consider that. But you really had to take it so seriously because you're in a small town, because you didn't have like a network. And I think about maybe some younger women now who are maybe the same age, but because of this like over glamorization on like social media and like the popular OnlyFans, they don't even like think. They just hop on and do it. And they don't, they're not really put in the place. And it's like no hate to them. You know, it sucks that we live in a society that does that. They're not thinking about the fact that when OnlyFans deposits into your Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo has that deposit company marked down and they will close your fucking bank account. Wow. You will lose your bank account. They're not considering that OnlyFans shows up on your background check. So if, if you're going to college and you want to be a doctor later on, you better hope the hospital you applied to is cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the bigger problems I have with the pandemic boom. That and the internet doms, the insta doms is very weird. <laughs> <laughs> so on the other hand though, it's like I do think that a lot of people are jumping into it without fully considering all the ramifications. But it's kind of like Dan Savage always says, like, we should all have our nudes leaked. So then it's not a big deal when our nudes are leaked. Like if everyone and their mothers are doing OnlyFans, you know what I mean? If, if it just kind of gets so popular that it becomes less and less taboo. Like I can see how I can resent someone who says like, oh, I was a stripper for six months and like, yeah, like didn't think about it. But then it's like, but yeah, then it, it kind of makes it a little bit more casual, like more palatable, more whatever, like. It's like saying like, oh, I was a server at Red Lobster for six months. Like mm -hmm. saying, you know what I mean? Like as casually, like, I feel like that's kind of the goal. Like, obviously, that's not where we are. And like Republicans right now are, are making it like you can get arrested for doing a drag show, like close to a school or whatever. All that shit. Obviously, it's not like we're going one way, like directionally and like super straightforward. But like, I feel like, yeah, there was that problem with the pandemic, but then it became common parlance. And then when OnlyFans decided, oh, we're not going to do like porn anymore. Everyone was like, what the fuck? Like, that's what OnlyFans is for. It's definitely not all necessarily negative that people were joining in mass and that are now going to be exiting in mass. I think the biggest problem is that a lot of the people that decided to come in and discover that it's work didn't take the time to think, read about things like post Sesta. Yeah and the Earn It Act and how they really affect us and them. And people who aren't even sex workers should know about those things. But they never took the time to study those things and they aren't taking the time to educate their people about it either. And so if you're going to be a sex work tourist, that's great. I'm glad you're normalizing it, but you have to do the work because otherwise you're just harming the community that you're in. Even if it makes it like a fun, like, haha, I got to like do this for six months. It's still really, really harmful and damaging. To add on to that, I've had people I know personally like hire OnlyFans model for like custom content and like stuff like that which I have done I'm not OnlyFans but like I've done like some stuff and like been ripped off like they like paid money and didn't get the service and I'm like what the fuck I'm like busting my ass out here like doing the stuff making my content putting so much into it and then I have this person who's like more than willing to pay and then just ripped off and then you we just all lost a potential client and then he's gonna tell all his friends that like oh I got ripped off like don't you know trust whatever who was that big actress or supermodel who joined OnlyFans and then only did like lewds? Bella Thorne, yeah. Oh, Bella Thorne, right, right. It, it was kind of that thing, right? That like for how much Hollywood appropriates sex work culture, they could really do us all a favor and start having our backs a little bit more. It's a little disgusting. I actually shut down a movie a couple years ago. They interviewed me because they were looking for like a sensitivity coach on sex workers, and I got their movie shut down because their punchline was "Lol, escort gets murdered." Right, classic. Oh my god. 
thank you for shutting that down. Yeah, yeah. Did we ever talk about though that I had one customer? We were doing a VIP and he was like talking about, oh, I'm going to go to this town, blah, 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 that I was going to be moving to. And he's like, well, I want to have, I think it was like his 40th birthday party or something. He's like, yeah, it's going to be a great night. Like, it's, we're going to do this and that, cocaine. And, you know, if it's a good night, it has to end with a dead hooker. And I'm like, wow, like funny, hilarious. That's a great night where you just like some person that you don't even consider like a human being. And obviously I'm in VAP. I have to kind of like ha ha around it. But I was like, oh, like a dead hooker. Like that's fun for you. Like killing someone like it's like, well, not killing, just like, blah, blah. you know what I mean? But it's just so hard in the moment because you're like, well, I'm still trying to make money off this person, not trying to completely antagonize. But you're also like, no, that's not OK. I'm not just going to let that one slip and like laugh along with you. But it's just it's such a punchline. It's it's so lazy, too. It's not even good comedy like for a movie like that's so uncreative. Like you should be embarrassed. Admittedly, I think that's why I'm actually really bad at being a stripper is because I can't hold my fucking tongue when they say dumb shit like that. I've been independent for so long, doing my own thing for so long that when somebody has the audacity to come in and say some type of thing that way i right we talk about that it's hard <laughs> i have to remind myself no free doming no free doming that's also a good point too because i think mostly online or when i've done camming but i feel like people even now i'm getting like texts for like bookings and stuff like people will try to piss you off just to get some like free doming and i'm like ah, 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 ah. yeah <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> can't do it oh that's funny i never even thought about that because i'm you know me candy like i'm very quick to anger. oh yeah <laughs> i know you but it's funny though because we've talked about this like do you do you enjoy doming i love what i do it is my favorite thing i have studied so much about doming and bdsm and psychology and the physiological ways in which your body works during sex it's a little disgusting we can just say it's a hyperfixation of mine. That's amazing. So like, okay, here's something really fun, right? So when you're in a BDSM scene, the submissive is the one who's in control, right? And the dom is the one who's just playing out the submissive's fantasies while being in control of the specific situation and how those fantasies play out. The dom's job is to bring up some different hormones. So you have your oxytocin, you have your endorphins, you have serotonin, and then you also have the stress hormone cortisol. And so what your Don's job is to do is to bring all the happy hormones and the stress hormones until they're right about even. And it creates a dissociative space called subspace. And that subspace is a really malleable part of the scene where the submissive, their brain, the neuroplasticity increases and the brain is much more susceptible to suggestion. Because of serotonin and endorphins and oxytocin, the body is able to resist more strenuous activities for a longer period of time because of those hormones protecting basically your body and your brain. And so then when you come out of that, those hormones go down. So sometimes there's some things like sub drops, which are like the really low feelings you get after a scene, which can happen up to like two mm. weeks from the scene. It's like doing Molly and then you have the come down. Exactly. So Sometimes it happens in the middle of a scene that's really intense. Mm -hmm. Doms actually experience this too. Doms can bottom out either during a scene or before a scene. I had really serious dom drop with the client that I ended up having to drop because my dom drop was so intense after every one of our scenes. But his scenes were really intense. Um, he was a consensual non-consent fan. So, okay. Not that you would ever want to be a college professor because they don't make any money. But I'm like, I could like listen to you talk about this and all the chemicals. I'm like, I'm learning. Oh my Oh my god i love it i'm releasing a show very soon it's not out yet but it's going to be sex workers and 
normies talk sex money and relationships oh fun oh my god that sounds amazing i would love to have both of you on for that and also i'm gonna be doing it soon don't worry is this a podcast or a it's a full show that's gonna have a podcast like we're gonna rip the audio and put it into a podcast okay but it's through go network and it's the pilot to their entire adult network for their tv company Okay. Oh, wow. So you are starting off the bat. You have a contract with a production company and they are handling all the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. Damn blast. Good for you. That's amazing. This, what we're recording is not going to come out for a little while because we have so many backlogs. So hopefully when it comes out, we can, we can plug it. That is so fucking cool. I'm going to watch every episode. I just love, I don't know. It's funny because I mean, I think people, men in general, think that women have all this competition. I'm not saying that's not true, but like me and Jade are always like, oh my God, wait, sex workers in a podcast? Yeah, do it. There should be more of them, like more. It's not like if someone else starts something and then we also have our thing, like it makes like us less successful or whatever. Like, I think it's good for everybody because we have this amazing like technology and platform now to really like meet people where they are and talk to them and explain these things to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I feel like we get just very different. Like, look at how many comedy podcasts there are or true crime podcasts like I just for me it's like and each one of them has something different to offer obviously if they're like good quality or whatever so like our experiences as strippers and you know whatever sex workers is so different from yours so that's why like it's it yeah I'm excited I'm excited to hear it yeah you know sex workers one of my favorite things about our industry as a whole is that no matter what I've done I've been a phone sex operator I've been a dominatrix I've been a call girl I've been a full body sensual massage artist I've done new I've worked at brothels and now I'm a stripper. It is a never ending source of learning. There are so many of us with so many incredible stories and so many incredible backgrounds and so many incredible skills. You're never going to find the bottom. And that's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's actually my favorite thing about BDSM too, is that I'm never going to find the bottom of BDSM. There's, I'm never going to learn everything there is to know about BDSM. That's fantastic. That's such a beautiful way to put it. I love that. The brothel is how we connect that I think we had talked about it. We, Candy and I don't know too much about it. All I know is that woman on TikTok, she's a pretty famous brothel influencer. I don't know if there's a lot of them, but she's like very, very open. I forgot brothel her name. influencer. I forgot her name, but I'll, I can put that in too yeah. because her videos are amazing. So she's a, I think she works at the Bunny Ranch and she opens, she like openly talks about it and stuff. But that's like all I know is through her. You know what the most, interesting thing about the brothels is is that the people who work at the brothels think anybody who doesn't work in the brothels is actually really gross really elaborate let's talk about whorephobia in our industry really quick so have you ever noticed how whorephobia exists between the different sections of our industry like cam girls are like oh i could never fuck for money oh i could never strip strippers are like i would never work at a brothel porn girls no Porn girls are like, escorts are fucking disgusting. And escorts are like, I would never be a porn girl. Do not know why. All of it's ridiculous. Because, yeah, again, there's no gold medal in the moral whore Olympics. And slinging pussy is slinging pussy. It's all the same cum that we're making come out. Yeah. Like strippers who charge different rates. There's like, oh, well, I would never do a room for less than this or that. Or like, you didn't get, you know what I mean? The money shaming. Yeah, Yeah, that's such a money shaming. Yeah. Rates shaming is so bizarre to me because like, we all start somewhere and whatever number you're most comfortable giving is the number that you should give. And then you should work up to your confidence on giving the bigger numbers. When I first started, 
There was no way that I could look at a client and be like, that'll be $15,000. I could do that now, but I could never have done that when I first started out. And I couldn't have done it like five years into my shit because I was uncomfortable with it. So rate shaming is beyond me, but the brothel industry specifically. So I'm friends with a few of the brothel workers still. Um, I might be blacklisted from a couple of brothels because I opened my mouth too much. It's a very insidious industry. I worked at two brothels, one of them not so famous, closest one to Canada. The first one that I worked at though was one of the closer ones to Vegas. World famous, really, really well known, but incredibly abusive. It was a lot. What I went through in the brothel industry is nothing compared to some of the other people and some of the other stories that I've heard. A lot of the brothels, they'll like listen in on your negotiations and like give your parties away. Just like if you have if you have a big booking, give it to like somebody who's more senior than you. There's a lot of favoritism. The one that I worked at, somebody spilled something in the refrigerator. And as punishment, they told us that they were going to lock the food after 4 or 5 p.m. until 11 o'clock the next morning when the kitchen would be open again. And we weren't allowed to keep food in our rooms because we're in the middle of the desert and pests exist. To get into the brothels alone, right, you have to go through the whole application process. If you look alternative in any way, forget about it or buy a wig. If you're thicker, go through the pages on the house that you're looking at and make sure that they have thicker girls there. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. So first, you have to get there. You go through the interview process. You buy your business license in the state of Nevada. It's $200. You then have to buy all of the decorations for your room. What? All of the blankets, all of the pillows, all of the pillow covers, all of the curtains. If you want candles, any decorations you want at all, that's on you. Sex toys, that's on you. Condoms, that's on you. The condom? Before you even get to the brothel, you have dropped around $2,000. And that does not include travel costs. Wow. Right? So in that $2,000, you also have to get a full background check. You have to get fingerprinted. You have to get sheriff's cards so you can work. And you also have to get your first round of testing. You get to the brothel. They search your everything. They search everything. They search every bit of your belongings. You are not seeking anything in. Are they looking for drugs or? They're looking for drugs. They're looking for weapons, paraphernalia, whatever that paraphernalia might mean to them. Wait, but couldn't you just like, I mean, you're allowed to leave your room though, right? Like, couldn't you just walk outside and get something and bring it in? Why so intrusive? Like at the very beginning. So you're not allowed to just leave. Um, you are on 24-7 lockdown, except for one day a week. You're allowed to leave between a certain time frame. Other than that, you get three walks a day, 45 minutes each, and you are in the middle of nowhere, so you're not getting anything. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold up. We're wide. They lock the... You're like... Yeah, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. Lady on TikTok has not talked about it. I don't know. No, she does. She said you had to sleep over there for like two weeks. Funny runs differently than... The, so every single ranch runs differently, right? As far as I know, when you first start working at a brothel and it doesn't matter which one you work at, you have to stay at that brothel for two weeks and live in that brothel for two weeks. Bunny, I had a friend who worked at Bunny and she was allowed to go home to her apartment, which was down the street and sleep and stuff like that. But at this other place, it is not, that is not the case. And is the justification that you're going to go and get, catch like, like ST, STIs or something? Okay. The justification is that you're going to go out and whore and fuck everybody in sight and catch an STI. I'm not joking. Like that's literally how they treat it. And, and, and you are prosecuted as such, even if that's not what you do. Right. The doors in this situation, this certain ranch, the doors are like locked. You have like people spying and you're like, you get three walks a day. 
Yeah, you have to sign in and out to those walks. There are cameras everywhere. Those cameras have microphones. They're recording everything you say. They are listening in on it. They are listening outside of your door. Oh my God. The conversations that you're having on the phone. I had a white noise machine to protect my privacy, at least a little bit. Sometimes there's hidden things in the room to listen in on you. Uh, at some of them, they have intercoms that they can listen in on you. Um, at some of them, the panic buttons don't even work. So I mean, like, what are they listening for? Like you negotiating for rates that are different? Anything that could potentially be illegal or rates that are different, or if you are stealing money, okay. like if you're like, oh, I know that like you're really on a budget right now and blah, 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 blah. You know, if you only, the only reason my prices are so high is because the brothel takes half of everything that I make. If you just give it to me to cash directly and we don't, we pretend it doesn't happen and you give me a little bit to give to them, I'll give you X, Y, Z, and I'll just keep the rest. Right. Okay. At this specific one, we weren't even allowed to have our cell phones on us when we were in a booking. We had to put them in a locked box for our booking just in case we gave somebody our cash app. Okay. But you just said sometimes the panic buttons don't work. Right. So you're just like screwed. You don't have your phone on you. You're in this like locked room with a stranger. That's insane. The the room's not... I would never lock a door with myself. I would never, ever lock a door with me in a room with a client ever. So the doors aren't locked, but the, even if you call the police and hit that panic button, realistically, what's going to happen? I mean, we're talking about when I worked up at that one up by the closest one to Canada, if I wanted to go to the hospital in that town, they would have to airlift me to Salt Lake City because that hospital refused to treat me based on the fact that I was a sex worker. What? Even if they legally cannot do so, they will still refuse to treat you because you're a whore. How How is that even legal? I, I thought doctors had to operate on like a fucking terrorist if he came in. What the fuck? Wow. There's a lot that people get away with because you're a prostitute. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So the brothel sets your rates. No. So the brothel is not legally allowed to set your rates. Because you're an independent contractor, you set your own rates. But they are allowed to tell you that there's a minimum required for a booking for a party. So the minimum for some places is like 50 bucks. The some places some places it's 500. It always changes, right? And then you can negotiate up from there. My first booking I ever did was $6,500. Wow. How long was that booking? A half an hour. Yes. That's amazing. So I went from my $75 for a half an hour yeah. to $6,500 for a half an hour. I did great. Like, oh, I fucking yeah. All the way up. And you have to give them half of whatever the rate is? Half of whatever the rate is, right? So this is this is what you pay while you're there. You pay the room and board, which is can be anywhere from a hundred from fifty dollars was the lowest I ever paid to like three hundred dollars, right? Wait, so you have to live there, but you also have to pay. So you also have to pay room and board. And then you pay your doctor's fees, which range from two hundred dollars down to one hundred and twenty. And those are every single week for STI testing for STI testing. If you are in a house that does anal, that includes anal testing. Not all houses do. So you have all of those fees, right? And then they take 50 percent of your party booking. So for me, that six thousand five hundred dollar party was really a three thousand two hundred and fifty dollar party, right? They take 50 percent of all of your tips. They take 50 percent of all of your gifts and if it's something like a car you have to pay the entire value of the car up front to pay the difference what how is this not wage theft i don't get it wait has that happened if somebody takes a limo out to the ranch from vegas 
they take 30% of your booking off the top and then you get half of whatever the remaining booking is. Huh? Oh, wow, wow, wow. A limo? Why? Why? Because they took a limo? Yeah. What? The free limo. None of the limos are free. Oh, oh, that's a service the brothel offers. The ranch sends a limo. But it comes out of your money. The ranch sends a limo and then we pay the cost. And you know that the, those cars are not being kept up that well. How now? And the people who drive were only getting paid $150 a day. Right. It's not the driver who's getting that money. Yeah. Right. 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 It's the ranch. Holy shit. That, so if you had a $10,000 booking, let's say, and then they take a limo, so they're taking 3000 off the top, mm-hmm. you have 7000 left, and then you make $3,500. Mm-hmm. That's fucking bonkers. Yeah. And then you have to pay tax on it. Right. Ugh. And in Nevada, they charge about 35% for tax. Right, because I'm finding this out now that just by virtue of being an independent contractor, you owe like over $3,000 just right off the bat. Yeah, I haven't done my taxes yet this year and I'm not looking forward to the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars I owe. I started and then I stopped because <laughs> I was like, listen, I cannot process this information. <laughs> no. I'm no. just a stripper. I can't handle this. I can't do math. I no. tell my partner, Billy Bob, I go, but I'm the talent. What? And you did that for, for how long? For uh, a year and a half, two years. Probably closer to a year and a half. While I was working at that second ranch, my uh, older brother, who was schizophrenic, took his life. Oh, my God. And I had to work for three months straight after that at a ranch. And if there's something we don't talk about in sex work, it's surviving grief as a sex worker. Wow, that sounds... Literally, my first client back had my brother's name and was a mechanic and smelled like my brother. And it fucked me up oh my god yeah right because you still have to perform basically like there's no cushion for you to to grieve no whichever way you have to you just have to keep performing like Mm -hmm. right and then like you know most therapists are not going to be trained on how to handle that specialty and there's not going to be like support groups and like all of these things that other people going through grief have yeah because it's not just going through grief it's going through suicide of a schizophrenic who's been in and out of jail and you're a sex worker and so like talking to going to like a survivors of suicide meeting like you have to really tailor what you say so you really can't ever get it out i got so lucky that the first therapist i got immediately afterwards had lived in las vegas her whole life and was friends with sex workers and had sex worker clients. I was still her first first brothel girl, but at least she had worked with sex workers in the past. Yeah. Because that's really hard to find. When I was an independent worker trying to find a therapist to work through any of my trauma, I had, I told one therapist that I was a professional dominatrix and she literally had a mental breakdown in the office with me in it. And then proceeded to come back to our next meeting with this pile of paperwork telling me what I was doing was re-traumatizing myself. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. She uh, she just had a mental breakdown in front of you and you're supposed to go. She should have paid you for that little meeting <laughs> there. Jesus. Honestly, I really do think I deserve an honorary psych degree from Harvard for my shit. I'm going to co-sign right. that. Right. I'll try to yeah. get a guy in, in Harvard and uh, let you know. <laughs> have him write a, write a lot of in Harvard, I have a guy. I have a guy. <laughs> Wait, do you really, Wait, Jade? I do have a guy. I was like, you Remember do have a guy. guy. We haven't released that episode where I just talked about the Harvard guy, the doctor of philosophy. Oh, he was an asshole, though. I know. That's why I was joking. <laughs> you know, there are clients that are across the board awful in most of the field that I've noticed and a lot of them are 
doctors, lawyers, and philosophy majors. Philosophy. <laughs> Honestly, that tracks. We, we need to study the philosophy majors. So do you have any wacky fun stories from brothel days? Something hee hee ha ha. A group of guys came in one time and there's always whenever a group of men comes in and it's like six or seven of them you know that most of them don't have money but one of them does and so ferret out the guy with the money. right so you gotta ferret out the guy who has got the money and so what happens is when the guys come in they go into the room called the parlor and in the parlor there's like soft lighting and it's really nice and the music gets turned off and they say ladies you have company and you all come out and one at a time you go hi i'm vivian or hi i'm alexis and then you get in a whole line and you stand still and you absolutely cannot move or you will be fined because that is considered dirty hustling whoa whoa wait wait are you closed yes wait you're in a line you're in a line so you can't you can't shake your titties you can't shake your titties you can't show your nipples you can't show your ass you can't show your pussy you can only show a certain amount of booty i have a lot of booty so it was a little complicated for me so you just stand there and you're like hello i am this attention hello so basically it's like one person comes out, they introduce themselves, and then they go stand back in line. The next person comes out, they introduce themselves, and they go stand in line, and then it continues down the line. That is the goofiest shit I've ever heard. It's kind of like being at an auction. And do they go, yeah, I mean, oh and do they my- just go, nice to meet you? Like, So you're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to answer any questions that they have. You're not allowed to say hi back. They're allowed to pick you. You step forward, and you say, great, come with me. And then you take them into the back where you have your negotiations. And if you book, you do a dick check, take their money, and then you the start your check. timer. Who checks the dick? You check you the dick. Check. Who checks the, the dick? You said you sounded so Italian when you asked that. <laughs> Who checks the dick? You check the dick. There's a, there's a lamp. Wait, so what? Okay, I know we're not even to the goofy part yet, you but like, go. Ah, oh my god. Like but what is? How do you? How do you check a dick from one professional so, to the? That's, that's what I was asking. I was just using my so, hands. So some girls have certain solutions. My solution is, is I have a pack of baby wipes and I pour rubbing alcohol on top of it. I have heard that. And I, I'm rubbing alcohol every couple of days. And basically what you do is put on gloves. I put on gloves. I'm a little paranoid. You have them take down their pants. You turn a light onto their crotch and you take the baby wipe and you move them around. You like pull down the skin on the shaft or like, you know, look between the folds of the pussy. And you're looking for any abrasions, any cuts, any um, sores that might be there. Anything that might obviously indicate that there is something wrong. And this is just to like help reduce the risk of STIs and STDs. I have a question. The sex education in this country is abysmal. Uh, Fucking abysmal. Aren't some STIs like not showing any physical symptoms? Yeah, that's kind of the problem with it is that a lot of this symptoms are not physically shown. And most people don't even realize when they have something, right? When they have it. Um, Which is why we are always... We always use protection. Legally, we always use protection. I didn't know that. I cannot speak for anybody else. I always use protection. I use dental dams for dining at the Y. I use... Oh, wow. Okay. Although uh, Laurel's just came out, and I really <gasps> want to use those. Yes! I can't, I can't until they're latex-free. Oh, you have a latex allergy? 
Yeah, it's such crap. Laurels, they're like what is laurel? it's like a panty made out of dental dams type material. And so um I've seen them because I follow a bunch of like sex toy business people. And so they've like worn them and like showed and stuff. And so you can like have like the dental dam experience, like that layer of protection, but you wear it as like a cute little panty. So someone's going down on you? I don't know if you guys have ever used a dental dam before, (laughs) but it's literally a square of plastic that you put on your pussy and it doesn't stick there. You have to hold it there the whole time. I have not used one. I probably should have at some point, but I have not. So this is for, this is for them to do it on you, not for you on them. Correct. Oh, okay. I was, and we use condoms for oral on them. Okay, I have another. Okay, okay. I have another question. So, when you're doing um, the genitalia check, have they paid you at this point? No. Mm. And there are ways to improve your booking by using the dick check. Okay. Because right. I'm thinking because I the, the dick checking can be persuasive. Right. Because basically. who's going to say no to you when you have their dick in your hand? Well, that's what I'm thinking. Because because like, what if you had like a chief skate who is like, I'm going to book. I'm going to book. He just knows he's going to get the dick check. He gets like you like feeling his dick for 10 seconds and he's like, oh, I'm good. Does that happen? No. Okay, good. I'm glad. Sometimes the card decline. At that point, the guy like if you already negotiated a price and then you, like you said, have his dick in your hands. He's not going to be thinking no. Yeah. He's going to like you've seen the guys at the club even. You're just right. If you angle yourself correctly, mm. you are looking up under your lashes being like, give me your money. Right. Yeah, that's 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 you're like on your you're like on your knees sticking your tits up and just like it's gonna be five thousand dollars for this, sir. Wait, do you do you check the dick and you go, wow, like if it's like it's the most beautiful thing you ever seen? Did you ever watch something about Mary? No, I haven't seen it. There's a whole scene. Uh, I a million years ago. There's a whole scene where yeah. they're talking about like anytime he pulls it out, they're like, "Oh, that's too big for here." Wow, this is beautiful. I've beautiful. never seen one like that's this. Play like the Jurassic Park theme song. You hold it up like they do those cat shows, and you show it like. You feel like white. I'm like, and here we have a classical yes. Roman shaping. <laughs> Wow. Hey, that's a full experience right there. Bless. So when you had said party, you just met one person, right? Because in my head, I was like a whole party. Like when you book a party. Party party is a relative term that can mean literally any type of booking at all. Okay. Sometimes a party is only one person. Sometimes that party is one person and another person that they brought. Sometimes the party is literally the entire house and whoever hired us. Sometimes... Uh, you walk away with a, a $100,000 paycheck. Sometimes you leave negative. How do you mean uh, negative? Oh, wait a second. We didn't, I don't think you finished the story. We got so off track and I want to know what happened. <laughs> so there was like five or six guys and they're all rowdy and only one of them has money. And so he goes off right. with the person that he's picked. Um, and the other guys go to the bar to drink and they're all having fun. And then they start getting a little too rowdy. And then all of a sudden, a fight breaks out in our parking lot. And that guy is still off having a party. And so now the madam is like on the phone, like, we're going to call the police. You guys got to get out of here. And one of the managers goes down and bangs on the door. You need to go. Your guys are causing a ruckus. We're going to call the police. That dude had his pants fucking literally falling tripping running the most cartoonish shit you've ever seen 
bolting like clothing flying onto his body shoes because girls leave their shoes in the hall sometimes like wow and i'm guessing he did not get his money back <laughs> no no <laughs> no that's the one thing i learned my first day of stripping i know jade gave the money back once unfortunately sometimes in the brothel they do give the money back and it does fuck you up but what for the most part you don't give the money back so then you decided to leave that was pretty recent right you said from the email yeah so the last time i was at the ranch was the end of march last year okay wow so you've been out of it for about a year yeah and I'm, I just reapplied to a few, so I'll probably be going back in soon. Oh, nice. What other work are you doing besides stripping? So I actually have a dungeon out here in Portland that I use, um, and it is the only femdom-owned dungeon in the Pacific Northwest. We are a rare type. There's not a lot of femdoms out there because a lot of femmes tend to be more uncomfortable with their positions of power. It takes a lot longer for femdoms to come around like being a femdom than it would like with men who are just like, I'm in power all the time. So they just do what the fuck ever they want. I'll hit you. I'll, I'll hit you. I'll Jeez, smack you. I'm so kinky. I've definitely spanked a girl before. <laughs> I know. Well, I don't know if you That's listened funny. to this episode. Like Jade ran into a manly man dom at the club. She's like, but he was like not cute and I'm like listen I have this theory about older gross dudes and why it's usually being dumb. <laughs> what episode is that tell the listeners to go back because I don't I'm not going to retell it but uh 24 you're our encyclopedia Jane. <laughs> but it is and so um the town that I am adjacent to slash slash used to live in where I met Jade there was this group of, I don't know what happened to them. I keep in touch with a few of them, of these beautiful dom women, femme doms. And they started coming out to my burlesque shows. And I became like kind of friends, acquaintances, like a few of them. And I was just like, oh my God. They were just like the hottest, most beautiful, most powerful women. They'd like walk into the room. They'd like come like all together in a crew. And I'm just like, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. they're like, good. We want yeah, but they're like people. also the, the sweetest people then, ever. But yeah, I was like, it was really cool. It's the funniest thing because like, I'm really funny and adorable and sweet all the time. And people just are like, you can't be a dominatrix. You're too nice. That's what you got to watch out the for. Nice. The nice ones. <laughs> Little do they know I've hooked up car batteries to people's nuts before. So like. That's amazing. I've The most electricity I've used on someone wow. is a cattle prod, but that does not hold a candle to a car battery. <laughs> cattle prods are fun. I really like electricity. I used to have rope that could duct could conduct electricity that was really nice oh my god that's so fun i'm really into shibari and really into cock and ball shibari and cock and ball torture is my favorite oh the other cbt am i right the cbt i subscribe to cock and ball what cock and ball torture oh, oh. but it's called cbt but there's also cognitive behavioral mm. therapy i don't know why i said it like therapy. i'm drunk yeah. um but yeah so you can make ah, funny cbt you also work you said a sex phone phone sex operator Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I actually just started that within the last year too. I had never talked dirty before. Oh, that's so hard. So basically people, can you tell, I've never met anyone who's done that before. I, I'm a hundred percent sure I met someone at the club who knew the daughter of the woman who owns this company and talked like said, said marvelous things about both of them. Yeah. But yeah, I had heard a little bit about this company. Yeah. She's been running it for yeah, many yeah. years. So cool. Right. 
I am going to say that being a phone sex operator has spoiled the rest of sex work for me because my clients are so amazingly perfect and wonderful that now when I go into other parts of sex work and I deal with not so wonderful people, I'm like, I don't have to deal with this. I can just go back to my clients who will not pull this bullshit. I was going to ask if you had a favorite form of sex work and it seems like it might be the phone sex work my favorite type of sex work is doming and that doesn't matter what form it takes it's my favorite form it doesn't matter if it's in the club doesn't matter if it's in the brothel doesn't matter if it's over the phone it is my absolute favorite which is why i continue to do it i just in whole really really love what i do honestly i think sex workers should be able to charge insurance and wear a public service absolutely my biggest thing though and my biggest goal is that what I ultimately want to do with all of this knowledge and all of this experience is I want to open up the first ever sex worker college where sex workers can go and learn how to strip and learn how to hustle and learn how to work in a brothel or how to run their business independently and get a degree in business or a degree in the medical field or a degree in law or a degree in political science and also get trained on what trafficking actually looks like and how it really affects us. And then all that money from the school is going to go into a trafficking rehabilitation center where we can take people who are in the industry or outside of the industry who have been trafficked and give them the materials and the resources to rebuild their lives however they want to in whatever way that empowers them, whether that's outside of the industry, inside of the industry, it doesn't matter so long as it's sustainable for them and gets them back on the right track. That sounds like a dream. Yes. I'm working right now in Oregon with the decriminalization movement so that we can continue to push the decriminalization movement forward. And ultimately, that's where I want my college to be. And it would be online too, because I want it to be as accessible as humanly possible. I want to be able to have like family dorms and like a daycare. So like if you are a brothel worker and you have kids, you don't have to leave your kids for two weeks. And whatever money you make, right, right, I'm not right. going to take any of that. You pay your tuition and then you keep the rest of that money as it should be. Right. You know, like, I think that's just really like, well, everything else is great. And I love everything that I do. That's my, that is my ultimate goal. Wow. That's so inspiring. Yeah. Um, That's a dream. I almost think it's like, I feel like anyone who goes to that college is just going to be, we're going to be too powerful, right? Like we're going to have like too many, like t- there's no such thing thing as too powerful oh my god like okay so think about it sex workers we get everywhere from the lowest darkest streets all the way up to the vatican we've done the vatican before we'll definitely do it again who knows if we're doing it right now but because we have that kind of access because we see things that nobody else sees if you trained sex workers to actually fight against trafficking you would literally have the most effective army on the planet and the biggest army on the planet hell yeah actively looking for people who are trying to hurt other people yeah and like that's incredible and the majority of sex workers that i know are all about protecting other workers you know there's like some cattiness and stuff in between but like for the most part the majority of us just want to be recognized as human beings and it's like a common goal even if like there's another worker that i don't get along with or that we don't vibe the common goal is always there. I love that. We might not like everyone, but there's a solid. But at least we yeah. see yeah. them. There's so, we, we see, you know, gender is fluid, but like as a sister, right? Like we're all part of like right. sister, siblinghood right. and whatnot. Yeah. Well, that that is incredible. Um, 
thank you so much for coming on. I just want to end on that note because I feel like it's so like uplifting and and great. And everything that you do, you know, send us. We'll we'll promote yeah. it. You know, do you have, have a small but growing? Yeah. Reach. Do you have anything that you want want to share publicly, like a social media or anything like that that you'd like to plug right now? I have a website. It's viviansgotvibes.com. You can find all of my links for everything through there, including on how to book me and. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. Go, Go there. there. Go there. And after you do that, rate, review, subscribe, <laughs> follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all the social media. They're all bullshit. there. CRC Pod. And email us at CRC Goose And send us money if you want. We see you guys. We'll give you shout outs <laughs> if you do. Tippers always get rewarded. Yes. Thank you so much. Next time on the Champagne Room Secrets Podcast. Okay. Uh, we have some kind of traumatic stuff we're going to tell you guys about. Uh, but we keep it light. We keep it fun. But we keep it very light and fun. We play <laughs> a version of a game uh, to get through these harrowing stories that we, we share with you guys. <laughs> we sprinkle in some moments of joy for you. So please listen to us next week. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Important conversations to have in a fun Light yeah, way. <laughs> we're just talking about some light topics like stalking, sexual assault. Uh, yay. <laughs> yay. But also, you know, titty twisting and used condoms. Oh, the that's saga. true. There's some fun stuff in there. So yeah, ch- you know, tune in next tune week. In. You, you will laugh. You will laugh. You'll laugh. You'll cry. All of it. And if you I'll, don't laugh, I, I'm going to come for you. <laughs> Are you going to come for you? No, I'm going <laughs> to C-O-M-E for you. <laughs> All right. In a bad way. All right. Bye. <laughs> Talk to you next week. <laughs>